what is up Liverpool One Church? It is amazing that you are here online with us right now and wherever you're watching from, whether it's on your mobile device, on your iPad, whether you're on your smart TV, whether you're just hanging out in a back room somewhere, just peeking online, just checking things out, we want you to know that it is amazing that you are here. But I'm gonna ask you to do two things today, right? Two real easy and quick things that you can do. Firstly, I dare you. Right now, share this watch link with somebody that you know. Invite them to come and do church with you right now online. It's super easy to do. You can just copy and paste the link, send it out, click that share button, get it out there. Invite someone to come and do church with you, albeit online. And then secondly, my request of you today is, Show us some love in the comments there. Just get interacting with us, whether it's on Instagram, social media, or especially in the YouTube channel or on the online TV channel. Make sure you just add in comments. Let us know where you're watching from because we would love to hear from you. I know that Emma has got an incredible word coming up for us all right now. So stay tuned for Church Online. Hey there, it's great that I get to bring church to you today in your living rooms and on your TV screens. And I'm so happy that we get to do this, even though the church building is still currently closed down, the word of God will still go forward. And so we're going to open the word of God today and we're going to look at some um, principles that I want to be able to put into your world and from something that has actually happened in our household this week. Um, well, we like you are a family that is on absolute lockdown and I don't know how you're coping right now, but I am sure you are getting to the point of near climbing the walls. I don't know what your family is like, but my family is quite loud and quite boisterous. And so we have hit the stage of accidents happening in the house. Oh yes, we have. Um, I had an accident that happened in our house this week and I have promised that I will not dob the family member in who was responsible for this um, occurrence because it was an accident. But let's just say there was a mirror, this frame that you can see behind me, there was a boy and there was a hoover and the three of them had a collision. And that collision resulted in my mirror being smashed. It took pride and joy in my hall. And um, where there was once an image, there is no longer an image. I am left with an empty and hollow frame. But as I began to, first of all, I had to pick myself up off the floor. Secondly, I had to pick the glass up off the floor. And as I began to sweep the glass up from the floor, this thought came to my mind. And the thought was this, that there are some images that we have allowed ourselves to be the truth. But the truth is we've been looking in the wrong mirror. And so I wanted to talk to you today from a subject that I've simply called mirror, mirror. You know, when we allow ourselves to be reflected by the world's mirror, it's as though our image 
is distorted. And that's because you were never meant to look to the world to get your affirmation. You were never meant to look to the world to have the answers reflected back to you. You were never meant to look to the world to draw comparisons. When you look to the world for your answers and your solutions, it's like when you go to the fun fair and you walk in the hall of mirrors and um, everything you see is distended out of shape and out of focus. And when we look into the world, that's the image that we get back because we're not supposed to go there for our confirmation and our affirmation and our solutions and our answers. God has mirrors of truth that he wants you and I to look in. Only his version of a mirror is very different to our version of a mirror. God's mirrors look like obstacles. God's mirrors look like problems. God's mirrors look like situations and difficulties that we have to overcome. You see, it's only when you're faced with these things that a true reflection of you can be seen. We like people to think that we are who we are according to what we have, that we are who we are according to the way we were educated or the place that we live or the status or the position or the job title that we hold in life. We think that what we do reflects who we are, but actually the word of God tells us that it's only when you're faced with some of his truths that you see a true reflection of who you really are. So when you are praying for peace, God often puts a reflection, puts a mirror of dysfunction or chaos in front of you. When you are praying for strength, God will often put a mirror of weakness in front of you. And the reflection is not always one that you want to see. But here's the thing about a mirror. A mirror always reflects the truth. But the thing that I love most is the mirror doesn't criticise you but it gives you an opportunity to adjust the things that are not quite right. You didn't know that piece of hair was sticking up on the side of your head till you walked past the mirror and you saw it. You didn't know that your top button was undone and your collar was sticking out till you caught sight of yourself in the mirror as you were leaving the house. So when God stands a mirror in front of your life, it's not to disappoint you or to bring you down. It's to allow you to see the true you. It's allow you to see a reflection of your character and it's there to allow you to make adjustments to issues and areas of your life that perhaps before you didn't know needed adjusting. When you look in the mirror of God's word, you can see that prideful attitude that just stands out. You can see that negative conversation that you didn't know was on you, but everybody else could see it. You can see the insecurities that are are poking out that you never were aware of before, but now you're standing in front of the mirror of the word of God, you can see the adjustments that you need to make. I want to take you to a story of a man in the Bible who got to stand before a mirror of God. And this man was Moses. And so we pick this story up in Exodus 4. And it's the part of Moses' life where he's up on a mountaintop and God speaks to him and God wants him to go back to Egypt 
to set his people free. God said, look, Moses, I've got a plan. I'm going to set my people through it free, but I just need a man who's willing to go for me. I just need a man to work with. Now, Moses had had quite a lot of alone time with God and God had proved his power and his might to Moses. I mean, Moses had spoken to God in a burning bush. The bush was actually on fire, though the shrub itself did not burn. God had told Moses to take his staff and throw it onto the floor and it became a snake. And then God said, Moses, get hold of that snake. And Moses bent down and he picked the serpent up and it became a staff in his hand again. And then God said to Moses, take your hand and put it inside of your cloak. And when Moses brought it out, his hand was leprous. And then God said, put it back inside your cloak and he brought it out and it was clean. All the time, God proving his power and his might and his strength to Moses. And he says, hey, Moses, I need you to go on my behalf and set my people free. But in verse 10, listen to what Moses did. It says that Moses pleaded with the Lord and said, oh, Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. What was Moses saying here? Well, Moses was saying that, God, I heard what you said to me, but nothing in me has changed. I know your word is spoken out, to me, but my circumstances are still the same. And I don't know if you can relate to that. I think so many of us, we come to church, we listen to the word of God, we get all fired up and energized. And then we go home, believing that we're going to change the world and believing that we're going to do great things to God. And very soon, we just discover nothing has changed Actually, I still feel like me. Actually, I'm still aware of my flaws. Actually, I'm still living with my weaknesses. But here's the thing. The word of God alone doesn't change you, but it is your response to the word of God that will change you. And so here we see that Moses begins to articulate to God what he sees and believes about himself. He's telling God, I'm not good enough. And then he says this, even though you have spoken to me, even though you who've shown me your might and your power, even though you've spoken to me, I'm still coming with my excuses. And for many of us, it's still our response today. For many of us, this still happens to us today. We say we are followers of the God Most High. We say we are Christians. And yet when God speaks words of hope and God speaks promises of provision, we come back to him time and time again with our lack and with our excuses according to how we see and according to how we define ourselves. I'm not smart enough, God. I'm not old enough, God. I'm not intelligent enough. I haven't got enough. I'm not popular enough. 
You see, Moses' problem was that he was looking at himself through the world's reflection and he was believing what he thought about himself to be true. And he was telling God what he thought about himself according to what he could naturally see. But then, in verse 11, the Lord speaks to Moses, and this is what he says. Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak? Who decides whether people hear or do not hear or see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? God is saying here, you're telling me something I already know, Mo. I created you. I know you. I know everything there is to know about you. I know about your abilities. I know about your disabilities. I know about your problems. I know about your struggles. I know about your flaws and I know about your weaknesses. I know them all. I know about the broken home you were raised in. I know about the divorce that you've gone through. I know about the heartbreak you've experienced. I know about the secrets and the addictions and the habits that you're struggling with today. I know you because I created you. And the reason that I haven't jumped in and saved you from that problem is because if you didn't have a limp, then you would have no need of a crutch. But because you are aware of your failure and your flaw, you have need to lean on me. And so because of your imperfections, I come alongside you. And because of your imperfections, I want to use you. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace, this is God speaking now. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. I mean, think about that for a moment. The power of God is made perfect at your most weakest point. And Paul, who was the author of um, the book of Corinthians, he went on to say that when I am weak, then I am strong. And I used to get quite confused over this scripture many years ago. I used to think, how can you be weak and be strong at the same time? Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. But what Paul was actually saying here is when I come to the end of myself, then your strength takes over. When I have nothing left to offer, it's then that my God steps in. And it gave me an image of Superman. Who remembers Clark Kent in Superman? You know, Clark Kent was a great guy. Clark Kent always tried to do everything right. Clark Kent used to try to save the day and try to save Lois Lane. But when Clark came to the end of himself, it was then that Superman took over. You know, he'd go in that phone box and he'd twirly around and he'd come out with all of the super powers. Well, you know what? It might sound like a funny analogy, but it's exactly the way that God works with us. 
He says, hey, listen, don't worry about your weakness because when you get to the end of yourself, that is when my power and my might is going to step into the equation of your life. Don't compare yourself to this world. Don't worry about how you look compared to everybody else out there because if you lean on me, I will teach you in the areas where you lack. To the young man who never had a father figure growing up, he says, lean on me because I will teach you how to be the best father. To the woman who's been through a divorce and has been left broken and empty, he says, lean on me and I will teach you what wholeness looks like once again. In verse 12 of our story, God speaks to Moses and he says to him, now go, I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. Notice what God says to Moses first. He says, go, and then I will instruct you. You go first, and then I will instruct you. Then I will empower you. Then I will be with you. Too often, we are like mirror, mirror on the wall, show me perfection, give me direction, and then I'll heed your call. But God says, no, you go. Just as you are, serve. Just as you are, help. Just as you are, give. What will people think of me? What if I get it wrong? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I give and I don't have enough money left at the end of the month? But the instruction to you is go, go. And then I will fill your mouth with words. Go. And then I will give you ideas that are outside of the box. Go. And I will make sure that your finances stretch beyond the normal by the end of the month. But here's the interesting thing. Moses, in the next verse, verse 13, still puts up an argument with God. I mean, can you believe the creator of heaven and earth who showed him might and power turning sticks into serpents and leprous hand cleans and burning bushes that didn't burn? He's having a tete-a-tete. He's actually trying to put forward an argument, an excuse to God. And in verse 13, Moses pleaded with the Lord and said, please, please, Lord, send anyone else, not even someone else. He just says, just send anyone else, someone who's smarter than me, someone who's better than me. How many times have we said these things to God? Just send somebody who's more intelligent than me. Send someone who's better at words than me. Get someone who can write better than me to send that letter. God, anyone else but me. And in the next verse, it tells us that the anger of the Lord was kindled towards Moses. Now here's the thing, God didn't lose his temper with Moses. When it says the anger of the Lord was kindled towards him, it means that God was upset with Moses. God got frustrated with Moses. It's like God was saying to Moses, Moses, you don't believe you are who, you, who I say you are. You have more faith in your imperfections and your flaws than you have in my word. And I think so often it's the same problem that you and I have today. We call ourselves followers of God. We call ourselves Christians. Yet we speak out more about our disappointments, our problems, our flaws and our failures than we do about the resurrected power of a true and living God. 
We are created to be graphic images of God here upon the earth. We are the human representative of God. And how we sound and how we act and how we reflect and how we behave all either reflect his image well or they do not. 1 Samuel 16 says this, God judges people differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. We look at the external. Men and women look at what is happening on the outside, but God looks at the heart. So God is looking to your character all of the time. So if you want to know what you look like in word, in deed, in character, in attitude, then you need to open the Bible and look to the person of Jesus and see what reflects back at you. Because then and only then can we adjust ourselves accordingly so that we mirror his image perfectly. I couldn't help but think when I was sweeping up the broken glass that was on my whole floor from my mirror, um, just how many um, broken images the world is facing right now. I couldn't help but think about how the um, medical world is taking a shaking, how the financial world is taking a shaking, how images that have come tumbling down, everything that everybody has looked at for a true reflection has just seems to have been shattered. Family life, social lives, our work, our jobs, everything just seems to have come crashing down around us. And what I would want to say to you today is the world is going to be looking to you to see what image you're reflecting. Because those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, this is the time and the day and the age that we're living in where people are going to look and say, hey, actually, what you're portraying is different to what I'm portraying. My life reflects fear right now, but you're speaking of a faith. And I want to encourage you with a scripture that is found in Psalm 121. And David writes, I look to the mountains does my strength come from the mountains? And then he says, no, my strength comes from the God who made heaven and earth and mountains. Mountains are speaking of what we can see with our external eyes. And people right now are looking to the mountains for their help. But David turns around and he says, but I know better. I look to the one who made the mountains. And in this day and this age, can I encourage you that if your life is going to become a mirror for somebody else to look into, may it, re may it reflect the maker of heaven and earth. The world feels like it's spiraling out of control right now, but we know the God who holds the whole world in his hands. And my prayer for you is that you and I reflect his image accordingly. I wonder if you would allow me the honour of just praying with you for a few moments as we wrap up this conversation today. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for every family represented that is watching these screens today. Lord, I, I pray that we will be true mirror images of you, that God in a world that is searching for peace and searching for hope right now, that God, that our lives would reflect the true meaning of what it is to be a follower of Christ. Help us, Lord God, not to come to you with our excuses. Help us, Lord God, not to come to you and be pointing out the obvious of our flaws and our failures, but we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we say, Lord God, we come to you, warts and all, but God, you I'm confident that you can use a person such as me to bring about your glory and accomplish your work upon the earth. I pray, Father God, for a blessing over every household, Lord God, that you would watch over us and that you would keep us safe in a day and an age like this, Lord God, that we will be people full of faith rather than people filled with fear. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Who am I that the highest King would welcome me? I was lost, but He bought me in His love. For me, yes, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, always free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my father. There's a place for me I'm a child of God Yes, I am Realize He has ransomed me His grace runs deep While I was a slave to sin Jesus died for me Yes, he died for me Who the sun sets free Oh, is free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I am In my Father's house There's a place for 
Perhaps you've heard something today that Emma's spoken about and you've been moved on the inside and for the first ever time you're choosing to put your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus and become a Christian. And all you've got to do is simply pray a prayer that we're going to pray in just a moment's time. But I just want you to know that when you pray this prayer, you get heaven forever. Galatians says that you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come and we really do believe that God has a plan for you, that your best days are ahead of you and not behind you and that he loves you regardless of your circumstance right now. So wherever you are, let's all together bow our heads and close our eyes and pray this prayer in our hearts. Heavenly Father, I come to you today knowing that I've done wrong and I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I ask that you would come and live on the inside of me. I'm sorry for what I've done wrong and I acknowledge that you are the one true living God and from this day forward I choose to put my trust in you, my hope in you and my faith in you and follow in all of your ways for the rest of my days. I now call myself a Christian. Amen. Well, hey, if that's you that's prayed that prayer, then we would be so honored if you would go ahead and click the blue raised hand button right now if you're watching on our church website. And if you're watching this on YouTube, then you can go ahead and copy and paste the link that's in the public chat right now because we wanna see you started off strong on this new journey of faith. Hey, 
Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really great that you're here. You know, even in this challenging time and season that we're all in, I want to let you know about something that's really cool that's happening out of the life of Liverpool One Church right now as a result of your financial generosity. You know, just the other day, we were able to feed people right in the heart of our community by partnering with organizations that are right there and hands-on with the most vulnerable and elderly in our city. And those people were fed because of your kindness and your financial contributions. So when you give, know that the reason why you're giving is to help some of the most hurting in our community at this time. There are many ways that you can give and there are some options available to you right now on screen. You can just follow that link and make an online contribution. But I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you that is just faithful and committed to giving, especially in this season, because I know it can be difficult, it can be complicated, it can be complex. But when you do choose to give, I want you to know the reason why. And right now, as a church, we are wholeheartedly committed to helping the most hurting right on our door step and that's the reason why we give thanks church well i don't know about you guys but i am just inspired and i am encouraged having heard all that emma has shared with us today and if you've really enjoyed that and taken something from it please let us know, like just drop us a line, put it on Instagram, let us know, share it on your social media channels and we'd be so appreciative of you doing that. But from just our house to your house right now, we just wanna say have an absolutely great week and just manage whatever it is that you've got going on to the very best of your ability and know that we as a family are praying for you and your family in this season. Make sure you stay tuned across all the socials. We look forward to seeing you back in church online next week. Thank you.